Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. people for whom the truth is like poison. It can irritate and sicken and also kill. That's why some of us will go to any length to evade, avoid, or even suppress it. How many of us? There's really no way of telling. Each of us can only speak for himself or herself. I'll never forgive you, Will. Never. But, Marsha, I didn't really do anything. I am not one of your liberated modern women. To me, infidelity is the ultimate wrong. Now, Marcia, you must believe me. I never had any intention. I can of... never believe you. I will never forgive you. And I will make you pay for this. Our mystery drama, Smile at a Homely Girl, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Larry Haynes and Terry Keene. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Why bother to look for deep and complicated hidden meanings, especially when you contemplate the mystery of life? No less an authority than the immortal Goethe himself put it as clearly and as simply as this. Getting along with women, knocking around with men, having more credit than money. Thus, one goes through the world. Can things be really as basic as all that? For a great many people, absolutely. And especially for the hero of our story, Mr. William Bennett. William is having breakfast with his wife, Marcia. One thing you're going to learn about Marcia, she is a woman who doesn't mince words. Notice how she gets right to the heart of the matter. Well, mm-hmm. who is Linda Tunnan? Ah, uh, Linda Tunnan. Why do you repeat her name? Obviously you know who she is. Are you stalling for time? Ah, uh, Linda, Linda Tunnan is George Morrow's secretary. Well, that answers half my question. To George Morrow, she's a secretary. What is she to you? To me. Hmm? Well, uh, to me, she is uh, no one. What you're saying is you have no relationship with her at all. Hmm? Relationship? Well, that's a rather heavy word. Is it? Well, yes, it's filled with implications, innuendos, and so forth. It happens that I have to see a good deal of George lately, and there are all kinds of things that she is in a position to do for me. Really? Yes, like uh, typing and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that's why you've been taking her to dinner? Yes, yes, now that you mention it. Now, these past few days, we've uh, been working rather late. Have you? Yes, taking her to dinner was just my way of saying thank you. Why didn't you tell me about it? Well, quite simply because I was afraid that you would misunderstand. Oh? And you do. Now, I'm positive you believe I'm having an affair with her. You mean you are? Oh, come on, Marcia. 
I'll never forgive you for it. All I'm doing is being nice. Not only will I never forgive you... Marsha, will you listen? I have been insulted and demeaned, and I intend to make you pay for it. Marsha, please. I am not having an affair with Linda Thompson, nor have I had one with anyone else since you and I have been married. I... I had intended to discuss another matter with you this morning. I'm sure I know what that little matter is. So let me tell you that the answer is... What my answer has always been... No. Marsha, Marsha, it isn't all that much money. You're talking about $30,000. It's only a fraction of what your folks left you. Therefore, I should let you squander it. But I won't. I... Uh, oh. Marsha. Oh. Something wrong? No, uh, I have a headache. I don't seem to feel very good. Uh, you're not supposed to get excited, Dr. Carraway. Told you, not with your heart. I, uh... Now, Marcia, I'm, I'm going to call Dr. Carraway. No, Carraway. I don't want Dr. Carraway. He said that at the first sign of I any kind I don't need of... Dr. Carraway. What I need is a loving and understanding husband, and I don't have one. Marcia. Oh, get out of here. Go to your precious Linda Thompson and leave me alone. Hi, Will. Oh, hi, Sarah. Are you headed for the station? Well, I couldn't get my car started this morning. Oh, well, hop in. I'll give you a lift as far as the library, anyhow. Well, I shouldn't, but I don't want to miss the train. <laughs> what do you mean you shouldn't? Oh, nothing. Come on, Will. You can tell me. It's Marcia. Marcia? Yeah. All that has to happen is for me to be seen talking to a woman, and Marcia is convinced we're having a flaming affair. Well, is it true? What are you saying? Does she really have grounds for these suspicions? Uh, Sarah, here I am, sitting in the car with you. Have I made a pass yet? Uh, you never made a pass at me, Will. Not even when we were in high school. Are you kidding? I think I'm the only woman in this town who can make that statement. Well, I wasn't as bad as all that, was I? Mm, it seemed that way. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know what's gotten into Marsha lately. Now, since the day she became my wife, I never, I have never been with another woman, and I've had plenty of chances. I'm sure of that. The fact is, I... I like to have a good time, go out, and Marsha likes to stay home. Poor Will. Yeah, that's right. Poor Will. And poor Marsha. The handsomest boy and the prettiest girl in the senior class. Oh, come on. That was almost 15 years ago. I remember at your wedding, the minister said, now here is proof that marriages are made in heaven. Well, they may be made in heaven, but something happens to them on the way down here. What happened to yours, Will? Oh, I don't know. I guess one day we just woke up to the fact that it wasn't fun anymore. Marriage isn't supposed to be fun all the time. Oh, no? <laughs> My goodness, listen to me, the sage little spinster giving advice on connubiality. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty good word. Connubiality. Well, don't forget, I'm surrounded by the best words you can find. After all, I work in the library. Oh, which reminds me, uh, Marcia came in just the other day. Marcia? Mm, it's the first time she's been in there in 12 years. You're kidding. Well, sooner or later, everybody in town comes into the library, even if only to get out of the rain or use the restroom. But Marcia actually came in to take out a book. And since it was such an unusual event, I, I even remember the title. It was The Count of Monte Cristo. What? By Alexander Dumas. Count of Monte Cristo? Uh, why would she want... Uh, 
Isn't that the one about the man in the iron mask where this fellow is railroaded into prison and spends 10 or 20 or however many years in solitary confinement? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you uh, think maybe she's trying to get some ideas from it? Ideas? Sure. On how to get rid of me. George, I'm sorry I'm late, but I forgot we were supposed to meet here, and I went to your office. Hey, you sure you didn't go to my office to see my secretary? Hey, come on, George. Yeah, she happens to be a very beautiful girl. Now, you won't get any argument from me on that. What kind of a line you've been handing her? Line? You told her you were going to divorce your wife, marry her? <sighs> How people turn and twist what you say. What I actually told her was that if, if I ever divorced my wife, I'd certainly marry her. Of all the times for you to be fooling around. I'm not fooling around. Oh, then it's serious. It isn't anything. Besides, it's my affair. In one sense of the word, I'm sure it is. But in another, it's also mine. I've got a lot of money sunk into the project, Will. I'm sorry. This is no time for you to be alienating Marsha. I think we've been alienated from each other for the past five years. What happened? I don't know what happened, George. Maybe if I did, I could do something about it. Oh, well, maybe. Maybe I do know what happened. Want to tell me about it? Yeah, I might as well. Now, part of it is your fault. How can you say it's my well, fault? Well, you and just about everyone else in town. Since we were kids, everybody kept saying what a sensational couple Marsha and I made, what a natural we were. Everyone took it for granted we'd married, and we did. Everyone said, look at those two beautiful people, how much in love they are. So we believed it. Until about five years ago, when I guess both of us realized we never really loved each other. Mind you get a divorce? Because things aren't that simple. Mm-hmm. You could walk out on Okay. Suppose I shall. One of these days. But, George, believe me, that is why I'd like to look at your secretary, Linda. Uh, look at her. No, it hasn't gone very much beyond that. She is so much like Marsha was at that age. The very... The very young Marsha. Well, you know who you should have married? Sarah. Sarah? Sarah Lewis, librarian. She's always crazy about you. Oh? I never knew that. <laughs> She's always been kind of quiet. Not pretty the way Marsha was. Still is. Sarah Lewis. You were always nice to her. Said hello, gave her a smile. You, the... High school Adonis. You know, I was uh, very much impressed by something said by H.L. Mencken. He said something like, uh, if after I'm dead you want to do something for me, smile at a homely girl. <laughs> I still say you should have married Sarah. She'd have been so grateful you'd have been able to get away with the murder for the rest of your life. Uh, George, is this uh, what we're supposed to be talking about? <sighs> right. Can you get the 30000 by the end of the month? I'm trying. You'll lose the option, Will. Ask Marsha. The answer was no. I have a meeting at 4 o'clock. No, with whom? With uh, Tom Pratt. Cancel it. Tom said he's pretty sure he can arrange the loan, George. Have you any idea of the interest Tom will hit you for? It won't be low. I know that. Do you know where Tom Pratt gets his money? I know there are rumors. It's shady money. Underworld money. Well, right now, it's the only kind of money I can get. Oh, don't get started with Tom Pratt and his people. Well, I don't know where else to go. Marsha. Marsha has already said no. She can't say no. Oh, you don't know Marsha. But I do know Marsha. And what's more, I'm going to ask her. 
Another cup of tea, George? No, no, thank you. Uh, Marcia, I want to talk to you about a matter of life and death. The answer is no. But you don't even know the question. Oh, yes, I do. Will sent you here, didn't he? Yeah, of course not. Then you decided to come by yourself to see if you could have more success with the old bag than he did. Uh, that is not how Will refers to you. Well, that's how he treats me. Marcia, he's in trouble. He should be. It's a sound enterprise. Well, then you advance in the 30,000. Oh, I'm overextended now. Marcia, he'll go to Tom Pratt. He should. Tom's in the business of lending money. Once you start dealing with Tom Pratt, you wake up one morning and discover that Tom's in and you're out. Oh, that's too bad, isn't it? Look, you're his wife. Let him think about that when he's with Linda Thompson. Oh, no, Marcia, that's and not... And I'll right. wager she's not the first. I know Linda, and I can assure and you that... And to do it openly, publicly, to be seen with her, to announce to the world that he's being unfaithful. Oh, no, George, he's going to pay for that. Look, the Rose Common property can be developed into a major all-year resort. Will and I, we have the know-how. We can do it. All Will needs is the money due on the option. The answer is no. But you've got the money. Yes. And you can spare it. Mm-hmm. And there's no danger of loss. You can always sell the option, even make a profit. Yes. Look, it's the biggest thing in his life. Please stop it. I have a headache. I'm sorry. Just talking about Will, the way he's been treating me, makes me ill. I must ask you to excuse me. Of course. But please try to understand it. This could destroy Will. I don't care. Marcia, you're not well. You don't know what you're saying. I know what I'm saying. Let him be destroyed. Uh, Marcia. Marcia, you want me to call the doctor? No, 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 I'm all right. I'm perfectly all right. Now you and everyone else, let me alone. Consider the computer. It works smoothly, efficiently. It does its job. Then, suddenly one day it becomes erratic. It doesn't make sense. Then, finally it breaks down. And why do we bring up the computer? Simply because it's the closest thing to the human brain, which can also become erratic and finally break down. There will be further exploration into the mysterious abyss of the human mind in Act Two. It was one noted philosopher or other who sagely remarked that the cart has no place where a fifth wheel could be used. Well, it's easy enough to see the basic soundness of this proposition when we consider the physical appearance of a cart. However, the concept itself may escape us. After all, a fifth wheel may describe more than just a round, disc-like object. It can also refer to a person. And so one may ask, how do we know when we ourselves may have become a fifth wheel? Leave me alone, George. Marsha, I'd like to help you. Why would you want to help me? Because I'm your friend. Oh, no. You're Will's friend. You don't look well, Marsha. There's something the matter with you. You're right. There is. Will is what's the matter with oh, me. The two of you were so much in love, Marcia. What happened? Look at me. And you'll see what happened. I don't see anything. Well, I'm not pretty anymore. Oh, Marcia, you're still beautiful. Oh, I was never beautiful. I was just pretty. Beautiful stays, pretty fades. 
That's why he runs around with other women. He doesn't run around with other women. Don't cover up for him, George. Especially since one of those women is your own secretary. Marsha, there's nothing between them. Don't try to tell me. It's in my mind. It is all in your mind. You're doing this to yourself. You go back to him and tell him it didn't work. He isn't ever going to see one single penny of my money. Never. Marsha... Shouldn't you see a doctor? It's none of your business. Didn't you say it yourself? You don't feel well? What kind of doctor did you have in mind, you and Will? Well, I just look at you and Psychiatrist, I... maybe? Marsha. Of course. That's the plan. What plan? The one you and precious William cooked up between you. There isn't any plan. Maybe you can get some shrink to decide I'm crazy. Oh, that's ridiculous. And then you can put me away. Marsha. That way Will can get his hands on all my money. That's the plan, isn't it? Uh, no, Marsha. There isn't any plan. Will is never going to get one penny from me, period. Marsha, let's say you're right. You admit it. It doesn't matter. But there's still the rest of your life to go through. Whether he's guilty or not, forgive him. You're married. You don't believe in divorce. Do you want to stay this way all the time, bitter, angry? It's his fault. It doesn't matter. It takes two to be reconciled. He only wants my money. Maybe that's what's wrong with your marriage. There's my money and his money. He doesn't have any. The two of you used to be so crazy about each other. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If only you could recapture all that. Oh, no. No, no, don't say a word. Tonight. Have a beautiful dinner. Prepared with wine, candlelight, everything. Maybe you'll find each other again. Meeting with Tom Pratt and badly. Hmm? You know what he wants? Just about everything. I'd wind up being a very small junior partner. George, I don't know what I'm going to do. Tom Pratt is what I'm reduced to, and if I let him in, I'm dead. Why don't you try Marsha? No, I'm poison around her. Why don't you go home tonight, right now? Have dinner with her. Right now, all I would need is that sweet, warm, understanding wife of mine. No thanks. Will, I spoke to Marsha. All she needs is for you to meet her halfway. Come on, try it. Well, I have a sort of a date with Linda tonight. There's no future there. Maybe, but at least the present is so pleasant. Oh, grow up, Will. You and Marsha have a problem, sure. But face it like two adults. George, I've tried. I wish I could tell you how I've tried. Will, when you're in that type of situation with a woman, what's your best argument? Such a beautiful dinner, darling. You're using silver, good china. Is it uh, a special occasion? Shouldn't every dinner married people have together be a special occasion? And you're looking so pretty tonight. I'd hoped you'd say beautiful. Well, that's what I meant. Beautiful. <laughs> well, I'll settle for pretty. You know, looking at you right now, it's as if we were both so much younger. I do. Marcia. Darling, are you all right? Why do you ask? Well, you seem... seem to be very pale, suddenly. No, I'm, I'm all right. I, I'd like a glass of wine. Should you? Why not? Well, uh... All right. Uh, pour us each a glass. We'll drink a toast. Oh. Marcia. Oh, Marcia. Oh. What, what, what is it, darling? Something. Something. 
I don't know. Just sit back, darling. Just sit back. I feel... I feel... All right, all right. I'm going to call it up. No, I... Oh. You just relax. Oh. Just try, try to relax. Oh. Darling? Mm. Hello? Uh, is this Dr. Caraway's service? Well, it, this is an emergency. Mm. He is. Mm. Who? <laughs> yes, yes, all right, all right. I'll call him. Darling, Dr. Carraway is on vacation, but there's a doctor covering for him. Dr. Henrietta Rice, and I'm calling her right now. Marsha. 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 Uh, hello. Is this Dr. Rice? Uh, I'm a patient of Dr. Carraway's. Uh, that is, my wife is. Uh, look, could you get here right away? She's ill. She's definitely ill. Well, I, I don't know. She just feels bad. She's flushed and, and, and feverish. And... Yes. Yes, all right. I will. Uh, darling, darling, she says I'm to get you over to the hospital immediately. Now, that's where they have the facilities. And I'll just put you in the car and we can be there in less than five minutes, not just lean on me. Everything is spinning. All right. All right, darling, I'll get you to the hospital in a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Are uh, you Mr. Bennett? I'm Dr. Rice. Yes, Doctor, how is my wife? Mr. Bennett. Your wife is dead. Dead? Yes. She was dead before we could even get her out of the emergency room. Marsha? Dead? I'm sorry. I wish there were some easier way to tell you. It was her heart. We aren't sure. But she did have a heart condition. I'm aware of that. Well, now, I don't understand. What else could it have been? Mr. Bennett, was this a sudden attack? Well, well, sure. Had she complained of illness or pain recently. Yes, certainly. She she would get these spells. Well, you, you could ask Dr. Carraway. No, I'm sorry to have to ask these questions at a time like this, but I have no choice. Yes, she uh, she did. She did complain about not feeling well. Starting when? Oh, maybe a week ago. Mm, pain, mm. dizziness, nausea. Her face flushed. Yes, yes, I, I would say it, it appeared that way. Mr. Bennett, we're yes. going to perform a Post-mortem. Now, wait, wait, wait just a minute. Yes? What for? To determine definitely the cause of death. Oh, but she is dead. We know why. Her heart. Don't you want to be sure? Well, what does it matter now? We do. Well, now, just a minute. Don't, don't you need my permission? Your permission? Yes, I think that's the law. I see no reason why I sh should subject her to something like that just to satisfy your medical curiosity. I respect your feelings, Mr. Bennett. But in this case, we can proceed without your permission. Now, wait a minute. We are virtually certain she has been poisoned. Dr. Rice. Yes, Mr. Bennett. Well? Your wife has been poisoned. What? You are the second person I've notified. The first, naturally, had to be the sheriff. Poisoned? I, I don't understand. Arsenic. She was filled with it. You could practically see it starting to come out of her nails and her hair. Well, how? How How could she have gotten arsenic for I am only concerned with what happened. How is someone else's responsibility? I just can't believe it. I don't know if that matters. Good night, Mr. Bennett. Now, wait. Now, now, look, it isn't true. You don't like me. As a matter of fact, I can tell you took an active dislike to me the moment you heard my name on the telephone. It's true. I don't like you, Mr. Bennett. But that doesn't alter the basic fact in the case. All right. 
Are you allowing your attitude toward me influence your medical judgment? My medical judgment has been sustained by two other pathologists. Now, just what have you got against me? My sister's name is Joan Tum. She has a daughter, Linda. Yes? Good morning, Miss Bennett. I'm afraid you'll have to come down to the courthouse. Well, why? Uh, for one thing, we've got a coroner's jury ready to deliver a verdict on your wife. Now, look, we know how she died. Arsenic poisoning. That's true. But that has to be all tied up legally, you know. Just because a man's wife dies of poison, that doesn't necessarily mean that the man is guilty. Now, does it? No, not necessarily. But it sure doesn't provide a very good argument for his innocence, if you know what I mean. The purpose of this coroner's inquest is to determine the manner in which death came to Marsha Bennett, Mrs. William Bennett. The first witness is Dr. Henrietta Rice. The arsenic had been ingested in minute amounts over a period of time. How long a time, Dr. Rice? Perhaps a month. And uh, where was she getting this arsenic from? From the food in the house. And how did you establish that? We tested various samples from the refrigerator and the shelf. And how did she die, finally? From an accumulation of the poison. And therefore, Doctor, what would you recommend to this jury? In my opinion, death was due to arsenic poisoning administered to Mrs. Bennett by... Well, I'm sure we all know by whom. I object to that. Now, you have no right to make that accusation. You're absolutely correct, Mr. Bennett. Don't worry. You'll get your day in court. Yes, he most certainly will. But it doesn't look as if it's going to be a very good day, does it? Certainly not when you consider all the evidence. But then again, things aren't always decided in the end strictly by the evidence, are they? We'll see about that in the third act. that story it took place in ancient Rome a man saw a lion who was suffering from the effects of a sharp thorn in his paw it was a minor thing anyhow the man pulled out the thorn and went on his way years later the man was sentenced to be killed in the arena by wild beasts and he was thrown to a hungry lion guess what it was the same lion and didn't they ever have a happy reunion of course. It's called Androcles and the Lion. But what has it to do with our story? Don't worry. We'll have a parallel of sorts. How could you do it, Will? To what? You poisoned her. George, I swear to you. You expect me to believe you? George, they're going to ask me questions, Will, under oath. Yes, I know. Do you want me to perjure myself? All I can tell you is I'm innocent. Sure. Now, George, somebody has to believe me. I know what they're going to ask me. How were you getting along with Marsha? The money, the bind you were in. You were tired of her, Will. You told me so. You said you no longer loved her. That you, that you never really loved her. Well, sometimes we just say things. And Linda, be prepared for Linda. What am I supposed to say about all that? And they ask me. George, I'm not asking you to lie. Oh, that's good. But there is a certain way of putting things, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we did speak about this, Will. 
I distinctly remember. If things were going so badly between you, why didn't you divorce her? You couldn't answer me. But it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to know. You wanted her money. I know, I know. It looks bad, but you have to help me, George. I wouldn't know how. Mr. Bennett, you've heard all the witnesses testify how you had this very strange interest in your wife's death. Is there a statement that you care to make at this time? I'm innocent. Your guilt or innocence is not at issue here. The purpose of this investigation is to come up with the cause of death. Now, let me ask one question. Do I impress you people as a stupid man? I mean, you may not like me, but certainly you'll admit I'm not a fool. Just what is the point you wish to establish? Well, just how? How could I expect to get away with it, huh? After all, if I murdered my wife, I'd certainly be aware of the fact that I'd be the prime suspect, wouldn't I? If I intended to kill my wife, wouldn't I use a method that would be more clever? Now, why would I do something that could be discovered so easily? May I answer that question? Yes, Dr. Rice. And I would remind you that you're still under oath. Mr. Bennett, you depended on Dr. Carraway. What are you talking about? I am sure you know. Dr. Harold Carraway has had a long and distinguished career. But he's well along in years and semi-retired. Your wife suffered from a heart condition. That's part of her medical record. You counted on that. You were sure that if your wife died suddenly... Dr. Carraway would automatically assume it would be from a heart attack. And that would be the end of it. Now, you have no right to accuse me. I only know this. When I telephoned Dr. Carraway up in the country to tell him that Mrs. Bennett was dead, his immediate reaction was heart failure. Well, I don't care what anybody says. I didn't I am only answering the question that you raised yourself. You would probably have gotten away with it had Dr. Carraway been in town. But you had no way of knowing that he would be on vacation. I have nothing more to say. Thank you, Dr. Rice. <clears throat> we have additional witnesses, but since it is noon, we shall adjourn for lunch and reconvene at one o'clock. Hello, Will. Sarah, what are you doing here? I thought I'd drop by. Is that wise? The whole town is just about ready to hang me. You don't want to be known as a friend of mine. Well, somebody has to stop by and say good luck, Will. You're the only one, Sarah. It doesn't look good. Not at this point. And it's not going to get much better either. You see what they're doing? They'll definitely establish the fact that she was poisoned. Yes. And they'll have a murder. And at whom will all the evidence point? I'm going to be indicted, Sarah. Just no way out of it. But I didn't kill her. I believe you. And that makes you the only one in town. Will. Hmm? Do you remember the senior prom? a long time ago. Oh, of course, why should you? After all, it was just another dance, another ball, another party for you. Well, I guess you reach a certain age where everything was a long time ago. Oh, I didn't want to go. Uh, no, that's not true. I did. I wanted to go more than anything else in the world, but nobody asked me. So, Mama bribed her sister's son, her nephew, from Chicago to come all the way out here to be my date for the prom. You didn't know that, did you? No. Well, of course, he resented it. Now, I suppose he had a right to. But he went through the motions. He bought me a corsage <laughs> with Mama's money, and he drove me to the prom in Mama's car. 
And that was just about the last time I saw them until it was time to go home. I spent most of the night just, you know, standing around with the girls like me, the ones who had no dates or who had phony dates, like mine. It was the worst night of my life. Until you saved it. Me? Yes, you. <laughs> How? What did I do? You asked for a dance. Oh. <laughs> you really don't remember, do you? I just can't tell you what that did for me. I was actually dancing with Will Bennett. The fabulous Will himself for four beautiful minutes. That's how long it took the band to play Stardust. I was no longer Sarah Lewis, the wallflower, but Sarah Lewis, the queen of the prom. And I fell in love with you at that moment. Well, I didn't know that. Why did you ask me to dance, Will? I don't know. I, I just... Oh, okay. I, I won't press it. I might not like the truth. After all, it could only be that you were sorry for me. Oh, no, no. And I, uh, I couldn't face that either. So, I constructed a, a little fantasy, which was that secretly you adored me. And that one day, you would declare yourself. And you kept nourishing that little conceit of mine, because every time you would meet me, you would smile and you would say hello. You saved my life that night at the prom. And I kept saying to myself, if only one day I can do something for Will Bennett, something as beautiful as the thing he did for me, if only I could save his life as he saved mine. Well, maybe I can. Sarah, what are you saying? Will, I can save you. I'm the only person in this whole world who can do it. No one else would know how. Do you know what you're talking about? Yes, Will, I know what I'm talking about. But you, you'd have to... Well, there'd have to be evidence. I know. Sarah, do you, do you have evidence? Yes. You do? Oh, you do? Oh, oh, Sarah. Sarah, I, I look at you now and I see the most... The most wonderful person I... I uh, Sarah, Sarah, what... What is the evidence? A book. Are there any further witnesses who wish to be heard? Uh, yes, sir. Is that you, Sarah Lewis? It is. Will you wish to testify to the matter at hand here? I do. You'll have to come forward and be sworn. I believe there is medical evidence to prove that Marsha Bennett's death was due to arsenic poisoning. Yes, there is. And we have every reason to suppose that the coroner's jury will come up with that verdict. Well, the jury has not yet reached that decision. They will call it murder. What is your point, Miss Lewis? I know for a fact that Marsha Bennett died from arsenic poisoning, but I also know for a fact that it wasn't murder. What's that? It was suicide. Suicide? Are you saying that she took her own life? Yes. Uh, not intentionally, but she did. She poisoned herself. Well, what do you have to, to to back up that statement? You need evidence. I know, and I have it. Uh, here in this book, 
taken from the town library on the 17th. That's exactly 16 days ago. The title of the book is The Count of Monte Cristo. It's by Alexander Dumas. And here is the borrower's card number, 17763. It belongs to Marsha Bennett. And the clerk will accept these as exhibits uh, as soon as their relevance is established. On the morning of the 17th, Marsha Bennett came into the library and asked me if we had a copy of The Count of Monte Cristo. She remarked that she remembered reading the book in school and enjoyed it and would like to read it again. I still don't see what this has to do with it. I kept asking myself why she would want this book. It's an old, practically forgotten classic. And uh, further, Mrs. Bennett hardly ever used the library. So why would she want The Count of Monte Cristo? Uh, I must remind you, Miss Lewis, that you have been given the floor to answer, not ask questions. Yes, sir, I understand. Uh, She was highly nervous and very upset. And I was sure she had a reason. So I took down another copy of The Count of Monte Cristo and read it carefully, cover to cover. And I found out why. Now, are you prepared to tell us? The Count of Monte Cristo was required reading in our junior year at high school. Something from that book stayed in her mind, perhaps in her subconscious. Somehow it must have suggested itself to her. So she came to refresh her memory. Ah, can you tell us that something? Yes. Uh, I will show you the passage. Uh, There's talk of how to murder someone by feeding him arsenic. And the way to do it is this. First, you yourself take just a few grains of arsenic one day. Then on the next day, you take a few more. On the third day, a few more, and so on. Now, by the end of the week, you would have ingested a considerable dose. Large enough to kill if taken all at once by somebody else. What Dumas did not quite understand, but what he was talking about was what today we call immunity. Yes. The passage goes on to say, now that you are accustomed to ingesting arsenic with no harmful results, you can safely poison someone else. Uh, The clerk will mark this exhibit. And that's exactly what she had planned. She would take these minute doses daily, build her immunity... Then she would fill a bottle of wine with a lethal dose. Now, they would both drink from it. He would die, and she wouldn't. Yeah, but surely... The doctors would examine his body. They would know it was arsenic. But they couldn't blame her, because she would show traces of the poison, too. It would, therefore, appear that he had been trying to poison her and had somehow made a mistake and taken a drink from the wrong glass. Continue, Miss Lewis. Everything would be in her favor, you see. Everyone knew they weren't getting along. Even better, everyone knew he had several very good motives for murder. Enough of them have certainly been brought out here today. Uh, But not everyone can build up an immunity to arsenic. She didn't know that. Uh, Neither, I suppose, did Alexander Dumas. Uh, Well, that's all I have to say. Uh, Thank you, Miss Lewis. The jury will consider this new evidence carefully and retire to consider its verdict. Hello, Will. Hi. I, uh... I thought I'd come by the library to thank you. I didn't get a chance back there in the courtroom. Sarah, that book did it. It just about saved my life. That makes us even. Do you know what you said a few days ago that you had this, uh, this 
see. And which I secretly adored you. And that one day I would declare myself. Yes. When I wasn't. A fantasy. Sarah, it's real, I think. I think I always adored you. I, I think I was always in love with you, Sarah. Were you, Will? Really? Yes, yes, Sarah. Ah. Uh, we're making a bit too much noise. After all, this is a library. You know, I, I know now. But I was always in love with you. Will? Hmm? I'm sorry, but... I'm afraid I'm not in love with you anymore. Sarah. Oh, Will. You should see your face. Shock. Dismay. How is it possible for any woman not to be in love with Will Bennett? Mm -hmm. It's possible. Sarah, Sarah, I mean it. Maybe I was never really in love with you, Will. Maybe it was... You know, all gratitude. But after what I did today, I feel as if I can do anything, even meet a man who really loves me. Sarah, I, I'd love you. Poor Will. Thank you for asking me to dance at the senior prom. Now, finally, we're even. not exactly true. He was rich Will. After all, he did inherit his wife's estate. Perhaps we might call him aging Will. There's nothing so pitiable as an Adonis who grows older. The hair goes, the paunch comes, and as they say, the spirit is hot, but the flesh is cold. We'll have more about spirit and flesh when I return shortly. Friday's A Night to Remember on CBS Television. We're looking good. Starting with The Incredible Hulk, victim of a nuclear experiment. David Banner is now a man pursued by danger and fear. What are you going to do now, David? I think I should leave. Now that the Hulk has been seen, my time's going to be running out. Will David Banner find a way to control the beast within him? The Incredible Hulk. Next, it's the Dukes of Hazard. Hazard County, that is, as Bo and Luke Duke go up against Sheriff Roscoe Coltrane. You're under arrest for grabbing at her, and you're under arrest for swinging first. But watch out for Boss Hogg. Seeing the Duke behind bars, my favorite bowl of entertainment. Then, the jealousy, the lust for power, the drama of Dallas. I should have killed you out in that field when I had a chance. Well, I guess not even you are capable of cold-blooded murder. No, I wasn't then. Of course, that's where I found out about the cheap little romance you're having with my wife. Friday. A Night to Remember, this fall on CBS Television. With CBS, the exact quote which seems to have fueled so much of the motive force of this story is by H.L. Mencken. If Ever I depart this veil, and you remember me, and have thought to please my ghost, forgive some sinner, and wink your eye at some homely girl. You remember that now. And a similar sentiment may also be found in the Old Testament. It has to do with casting your bread upon the waters. No good deed is ever wasted. 
Our cast included Larry Haynes, Terry Keene, E.V. Juster, and Ray Owens. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. I'll sell my boats and share with you. Hmm? <sighs> you really hit me hard in the stomach. You'll see, I don't abandon my friends. We're not the rich who quarrel over who gets what, huh? We'll get money. I've always got my long knife, hmm? Ivan, have you ever used it on someone? No, but I'd like to if I get hungry enough. They'd catch you and send you to Siberia if you try. (laughs) Threats! They whip you with threats. Don't worry. You're not rich enough for me to slice you up. <laughs> Siberia. Ha! Maybe some things are worth going to Siberia for. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule, and True Value Hardware Stores. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.